0: Windsor College students were murdered last night during a sneak preview of the new movie Stab. It's starting again, Randy. This has nothing to do with us.
1: back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And uh, this is the third week of our Oscar Skeletons in the Closet month.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: we've now hit the supporting Ooh. actress category. We'll be discussing Laurie Metcalf in Scream 2.
0: And Brennan, ah! remind me what she's been nominated for this March.
1: Yeah, she was nominated for her <laughs> role as Lady Bird's mother in Lady Bird.
0: And what is she playing in Scream 2?
1: Spoiler alert. She plays Billy Loomis's mother, so I guess she's been typecast.
0: Yeah, she, she plays the mother, which is really good for her because during the 90s, she was, I don't I want to say the height of her career. She, she was an aunt? But she was most known for being an aunt. So, so she's really diverse. <laughs> so progress is what that is.
1: Anyway, we're going to discuss that in a minute. But first of all, two orders of business. First of all, I do have to say, what up, C? Which is something that one of my coworkers asked me to say in the okay. podcast because he listens. Hello. Chester? Cheston. Cheston. Yes. What up, C? Yeah. I, I think that's what he wanted. It was very specific and I can never remember it. Okay, well we did it. Um, and also let's do 10
0: word reviews of movies we watched in the past week. Alright, so I'm going to start us off. The open house. Someone should have foreclosed on this lackluster waste of money.
1: I don't think I have the economic knowledge to totally get it, but it sounds fun.
0: I'm tired, so <laughs> I'm sure no, it's not no, no, no. like I'm, I'm just legally kidding. correct I know, I know what or Fort whatever. Never mind.
1: Um, I watched Fifty Shades Darker. I I should say I rewatch Fifty Shades Darker
0: for the fiftieth time. No, the second time. Uh, much. He watches tr- it every Super Bowl.
1: That's a that's just a lie. It's true. I mean, it only came out last year.
0: And you've seen it two Super Bowls running.
1: I guess so. Um, much trashier than the original and that is a compliment.
0: Okay. Um, I did not rewatch that movie. That was a solo Brennan ex- expedition expedition. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say expenditure. Oh my God. You um, are tired. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go with the darkest hour. Uh, the it's back- actually just darkest hour. The Darkest Hour. The
1: Darkest Hour is like a Russian movie about magicians or something.
0: Listen, I've been calling it The Darkest Hour forever, and I'm not going to stop now. So everybody's probably
1: been really confused because they're like, isn't that The Magician Movie?
0: Yeah, everyone, Um, from Mila Kunis to Mila Jokovic. All the people that you're talking to? (laughs) Yeah. Just Um, on a daily basis? They're all confused. (laughs) Um, Okay, The Darkest Hour. I'm not changing, okay? Um, The backstory...
1: Don't let anyone ask you to change.
0: Good. The backstory to Dunkirk is as unnecessary as Justin Timberlake's halftime show performance. Oh, I used more than 10 words because I really did not care for this movie. End of rant.
1: Okay, and my review is tragically mediocre Oscar bait that plays like Dunkirk fan fiction. So we both had that same thought in our heads.
0: Oh, yeah, because we both saw Dunkirk before seeing this movie, and both of us preferred Dunkirk to this movie.
1: Yes, and <laughs> there no, literally a major plot point in Darkest Hour is him deciding to evacuate the troops at Dunkirk. And yeah. it's like, how did we get two movies in the same year about this battle that America does not care about? It's not even a battle. It was no. an evacuation. Yeah. Never mind. It was a tragic military loss. I mean, because the civilians were here, does not matter. Um, I
0: mean, I guess there aren't many more British stories to be told. Now it's gonna be like the boy who who saw Dunkirk is the next thing. <laughs>
1: the boy who cried Dunkirk. Uh huh. The and next then,
0: movie's gonna be about his freaking secretary, just like uh-huh. doing things for him.
1: And then the next one's gonna be the boy who cried while watching Dunkirk. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really meta narrative. Um, but yeah, and then also I watched the most important part of the Super Bowl, which was the Cloverfield Paradox.
0: I didn't get to see it.
1: I know. I was, I'm was. i shocked.
0: I'm really sad. But in my in my defense, I thought it was going to be like a series. I thought it was called The Cloverfield Projects. I wasn't paying attention. It was, like
1: it was a reality show about who would get to appear in the next Cloverfield yeah, movie.
0: I wasn't paying attention because I was tweeting about Peter Dinklage and his Doritos commercial, uh-huh. which was one of my favorites, by the way. You know? Show that tweet some love. (laughs) 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 I think one person. I think um, our good friend Ethan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or Ian. One of the brothers. One of the
1: Brennan brothers. Yeah. We do have friends whose last name is my first name, and it's very confusing. Um, But my 10-word review of the Cloverfield Paradox is goopy sci-fi nonsense. But since when's that a bad thing? Ta da! Yeah, woo! Like I don't know, that movie just got a lot of backlash immediately, uh-huh. and it's not super fair. It's not like the best movie ever. Uh-huh. Well, but listen, it's... the
0: people that were like spilling over themselves to go see that movie, like right after the Super Bowl, like it wasn't you know the masses. It was literally the fans. Yeah, but also as a Cloverfield fan, having
1: seen Ten Cloverfield Lane, which to be fair was much better than this movie, and was just very good in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you should know not to expect anything. When coming into a Cloverfield movie because they are not tied in with the original, like, whatsoever. Um, But Netflix has been,
0: like, uh, not to criticize them because I do love them and I Uh. love most of their content. But I feel that they've really been just buying up properties that should be, like, direct-to-video and then just releasing it. (laughs) Uh, You know, The Open House is an example. The upcoming movie that I think is going to be great. Benji, another one. Oh yeah, the Blumhouse production. Uh huh. I great. I think it's gonna be off the chop, off the charts for them.
1: Look, I I don't think it would be too much of a stretch to say that Benji will
0: probably not be the best Blumhouse movie of the year. Um, what else was there? Uh, that one movie with uh, Naomi Watts, like Before I Wake, or was that that one? Oh, the the one that Mike Flanagan did. Yeah. Yeah, that one's already out. Yeah, and it's a Netflix original, sort of, because it has the little logo on the screen. They love to slap that on anything. So, yeah. So, you know, Netflix is just, you know, you know what to expect when it's on them. When it's a movie, by Netflix is what I'm saying.
1: Oh, uh-huh. I mean, it's that most of those aren't, like, by them. It's just acquisitions. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Uh, let's talk about Scream 2. Yeah. Here's the, plot the reason we're here. here's the plot of Scream 2 from my Dimension Collectors series DVD release. All right, let's see. Uh, Here's the incredible follow-up to the smash hit phenomenon Scream, Away at College. Sydney Prescott thought she'd finally put the shocking murders that shattered her life behind her until a copycat killer begins acting out a real-life sequel. Um, Now, as history eerily repeats itself, ambitious reporter Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, of Scream and Scream 3.
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> spoiler alert yeah
1: um deputy dewey played by david arquette of scream and scream Three. she's look she's not even credited for friends on this dvd which i think is a shocking oversight mm-hmm. um and other scream survivors find themselves trapped in a terrifyingly clever plot line where no one is safe or beyond suspicion dun 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 dun, dun.
0: yeah god what a spoiler that is on the back though yeah it's I like mean, when i walked in a lecture the other day and the professor had a map of all of the families of sense and sensibility. And we had only finished talking about volume one, but it revealed who marries who. And I was like, God dang it. Yeah, that,
1: I mean. That's the only plot point in any Jane Austen novel. Look, I love the Jane Austen novels, but there's Uh not a lot to the plot necessarily. It's Uh mostly mostly just people reading letters and men getting called away under mysterious circumstances.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's the same thing with Scream. Like the main thing is like people dying. And so the fact that she's going to be in Scream 3, you know that Courtney Cox gets to live to see another day.
1: Yeah, that's so strange. But anyway, we rate all of our movies on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. And I do want to know your scariness score for this movie.
0: You know what? I'm going to give it a two. Okay. Um, Question.
1: Uh, What would you give the original Scream, do you think?
0: Probably three or four. Okay.
1: So you think this is weaker than the original? This is weaker than the original. I mean, I Um, agree, but why uh... for you?
0: To be fair to the movie, I didn't pay as much attention to it this go-around because I had seen it not fairly recently, but within the past year or two. Yeah, Um, two
1: years ago, I think.
0: Or two. But that's still... (laughs) Um, Closer to the two range, I guess. Uh, um, And I didn't really care for it then. I think this is the one that I disliked the most out of all the screams. Or liked the least, I should say, because I still like them. Uh, I think I I preferred Scream the first, followed by Scream 3, and then Scream 4, and then this one. Okay. Uh, I mean, because
1: they're all at, like, a baseline level of quality.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And I think the problem with this movie that I had when I first saw it was that it was almost too much like the original. Um, That was my complaint.
1: Yeah, but, like, more loosely plotted. Like, it's definitely, you feel that runtime a little more.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Because the runtime does act against it. I was like, okay, I get it. Like, there's a play happening. It's a play within a play.
1: Yeah. Okay. No. It, it speaks to how much I love Wes Craven and the Scream movies that mm-hmm. I'm not super mad that all of the movies are like scratching two hours, uh-huh. <laughs> which is usually something I heartily object to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel that. Mm-hmm. But I, however, am giving it a three out of five.
0: Well, oh, you jumped.
1: I did jump at one point. It was so dumb because it's a scene where Ghostface very clearly teleports because there's no way he could have gotten behind that thing he jumped out from behind uh-huh. without them seeing him. Yeah. And I knew it was happening because I've seen this movie literally five times at this point, but it's still, I still jump. Dozens of times? Not that many. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the movie is more tense than scary. Like, there are definitely scenes that build tension really well. Like, there are some really great set pieces in this movie. There's um, the, like, audio studio, like, the soundproofed room that Ghostface chases Courtney Cox through. Mm -hmm. That's a great scene. There's the one in the crashed cop car where Nev Campbell has to climb over the unconscious body of the killer to get out of a car that she's trapped in. Uh Um, What else is there? I do like... uh, Oh, there's that scene in the quad where the killer's talking to them on the phone and they're all trying to figure out... Like, they're looking at everyone on their on their mobile phones uh-huh. and trying to figure out who the killer is. Uh-huh. Like, there's a lot of really great sequences. I even like the sequence where Ghostface tries to attack uh, um, Nev Campbell during rehearsal for her terrible play that she's in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I think there's some really solid sequences, and they're tense, but except for that one scene where I jumped and, embar- and embarrassed about it. It's not like... It doesn't have the, like, potency of the no, original. No, it
0: doesn't. Um, and I think it's because... <sighs> This one probably didn't rely and play on the tropes as much. No, um, oh, you're right. It didn't have that carefree quality. It was kind of just a little bit more of a slasher. Um, and the reason why I said I like this one the least, because I do like these movies. I don't want to, like, give the impression that I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just because this one wasn't as scary. Um, and I I stand by my earlier comment that it wasn't as scary because everything felt kind of like it was a copy of something that was better.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um yeah, I I do think that the element that made the original screen very interesting, like the meta-narrative quality about people, like slasher characters, being aware that they are in a slasher film and having a certain sense of how to act in a slasher film. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie has a brief nod at that as Jamie Kennedy's character Randy has a discussion about the rules of the sequel, which the movie- In a does.
0: film class.
1: Ugh, yeah. Um, but the movie does not follow the rules that he lays out. Mm-hmm. Like he's like a higher body count. I mean, I think the body count might be higher by one or two, but it does not feel that way because they're so spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like more gore. He says the phrase carnage candy and this movie is not particularly gory either. No, I mean, the screen movies suffered from existing in a like pre slash post Columbine world. Like they were, it was tough to make movies about. You know, teenagers mm-hmm. stabbing each other, um, which is totally fair, but um, it's just not particularly gory, which is kind of a promise that the movie makes, and yeah, and it just it it there's a scene where they realize like oh the killer's copying the kills from the original scream they're killing people with the same names as the characters from the original murders, mm-hmm. and that as soon as that plot line is brought up, it is immediately dropped. Like, we never use that information to track who's being killed next. Mm -hmm. The people who are killed next have no connection to Mm -hmm. the names. Like, that scene definitely should have been cut. Mm -hmm. And this movie did suffer from a lot of rewrites. Yeah. Because this was a very early uh, time during the internet where the script got leaked onto the internet. So, people found out who the killer was ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So, they really hastily rewrote the script. And it's just kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. the The plotting
0: is is weaker mm-hmm. in this one. You know what? I am going to defend Wes Craven for that because it's well, Wes Craven didn't write the script. Oh, he didn't. Kevin Williams did. Well, I, dem- I figured he probably would have demanded a script rewrite though. As director, I feel he has that kind of power. Um, yeah. So I'm going to defend him on that. Like you know, half, after hearing him speak on the subject. Knowing how much he 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 hates people knowing the ending of a movie going in. Um, Wait, what are you talking about? When has he talked about that? He talked about that um, when he spoke here at Cal State Long Beach.
1: Like that specifically? Yeah.
0: Oh. Okay. He talked about it. He mentioned how Quentin Tarantino, it had just happened to him with I think the Hateful Eight, and how he was like, you know, no. Uh-huh. um yeah, so I do remember this conversation specifically. Um, and I remember feeling kind of vexed because as a fan, like, I'm still going to see your work. It, there's really, it shouldn't be a problem if I want to see the ending. But I realize that, you know, as an artist, you know, you have, you feel protective over your work. Whatever, yeah. this is a tangent. Um, I was going to say, I feel like we're kind of getting at the same point that this movie promised to be slightly more original and it really didn't deliver on that. It was still kind of done and it was too similar to the original. I don't. I don't think it was too similar.
1: I think it I, the elements that it was trying to invoke that were similar are weaker in general, uh-huh. and they pay less attention to them. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it's it's just weaker. Like it's still good, uh-huh. but it, it's not quite at that level. And, and it, no sequel is like I, I very few sequels are. Child's Play Two is better than the original.
0: Dead Man's Chest. Mad Max Two.
1: The Road Warrior. Um... I mean, we're having the same conversation. Paddington Two was Paddington Two better though, because I yes, feel like they were both equally masterpieces. Paddington
0: Two was better. Paddington Two had me fucking crying in the first three minutes of the movie. Oh. <laughs> I was like, it really did. Yes, Nana or whatever. Lu- Aunt Aunt Lucy, Lucy, yeah. Aunt Lucy and Uncle Pastuzo. Pastuzo. Oh God. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on. Um, what's, Brendan, your, well, what's your What's oh, your uh, pastiche score?
1: my campiness score score. i'm gonna give it three out of five perms um this movie is still beautifully 90s like what's funny movies are what
0: i gave it three (gasps) as well and you want to know what two of those little perms are for
1: is it for corny cox's haircut
0: it is for
1: her red streaks (laughs) they do her so wrong
0: um no it is for your girl Nev Campbell? Portia de Rossi's eyebrows. Oh, boy. One and two. (laughs) One and two right there.
1: Yeah, Portia de Rossi plays a sorority girl who gets one of the best lines in the movie where she goes, Hi! No, I really mean that. Hi. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so, so perfectly vapid. It's such a good line. It is a really good line. Oh. The eyebrows, though, that's intense.
0: Yeah. They're very colorful in the sense that they just really pop out. Yeah. It's like Sam Watterson's eyebrows. Sure. you know who he is? He was from Capricorn 1. What the hell's that? It's Capricorn 1. Okay. He was on that then. All right. So what was your reasoning for giving this movie as many stars as you gave it?
1: Like I was saying, the, the 90s are dripping all over this movie. We've got the brown lipstick and the halter tops. Yeah. And spoiler alert, when... Film geek character Randy gets killed unexpectedly in this movie. Um, His murder is masked by the sound of a boombox being carried by some passing freshmen not freshmen, but like, you know, college people. Uh And one of them is like trying to break dance. It's just so. He's break
0: dancing as he's moving. Yeah. It's not
1: on the floor, but he's like crumping.
0: Yeah. He's clearly moving and dancing and moving to the beat of this boom box it's so just tragically 90s it
1: is on this liberal arts campus on the east coast i know and then of course jamie kennedy can't resist just like devolving into a british accent at some point and it's mm-hmm. like what are you doing uh-huh who and, asked you to do
0: this and there was that weird dance number in the commons or whatever oh yeah where he's like i think i love you so what am i so afraid of i'm afraid of a love i don't know the rest yeah
1: something um, yeah, Nev Campbell's boyfriend, Jerry O'Connell, does a whole little Top Gun song and dance for her.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, spoiler alert, he dies, so it was not worth it. R.I.P. It was not worth the public humiliation. R.I.P. Because he's not a great singer. Um, but anyway, this movie was written by Kevin Williamson, who was the it guy for 90s horror and also Dawson's Creek.
0: He still is, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I mean, Didn't he's- Didn't he write something recently? Yeah, he wrote for The Vampire Diaries, which I think just ended and was- a massively successful show with the teens of today, so he oh, still yeah. got it. Um But yeah, his scripts are m- marked by extremely clever dialogue.
0: He writes in the style of me.
1: Yeah, of of character. Oh, uh, you're like a character says a line where you're like, "This person's not smart enough to say that." Yeah, I um, write
0: like that. You guys might be surprised, but I have it on <laughs> good authority. authority. You do <laughs> authority that I do that. No, you do. Oh,
1: man. No, but there is, uh, I have a list of lines that I really, really liked. All right, but, share them. But I do want to share one line of that I thought Jerry O'Connell could not pull off in a million years, and this is not his fault. I read. I'm sorry?
0: Was the line I read? No. What are you talking about? I was about? trying to make a joke. I'm sorry. Okay. You're saying he you can't read? Yeah, I don't know. Because he played a dumb frat boy.
1: Okay. Um, The line is, <laughs> I <was> hope- nuanced
0: <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. Okay.
1: Let me, let me get into character. All right. His line was, I hope that was an off-the-cuff remark that, uh, that holds no subtext whatsoever. And it's like, that's not a thing that anyone in the world would ever say. Okay. And that is, Kevin Williams' stuff is very stylized. And there are some great moments, but that is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, there's a great one where Debbie Salt the uh, gung-ho report, local reporter played oh, by Lori Metcalf yes. is uh, trying to ask questions of Gail Weathers, who's the reporter from the first one, played by Courtney Cox. And Courtney Cox is like, look, local woman, <laughs> leave me alone, <laughs> which is great sassy line. There's the Horsha Dorasi line about hi, which is great. Oh, and it's all Gail Weathers lines. Uh-huh. Um, there's one because she's grabbing phones from all the people in the quad to see who is actually the killer. She grabs a phone and she's like, "Who is this?" to the person that that person was talking to, and they're like, "Who's this?" and she's like, "Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders," <laughs> and she just, you know, she's always on brand, and I I respect that.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. She was one of the original bloggers, one could say. Yeah. Just they're constantly like, pushing the idea of Gail. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she's she's got the brand. She's into fame. Um. Yeah, I like that. Did you, uh, did you have any other campiness stuff you wanted to share? Because no, you gave really. it three points and two were for the eyebrows. What's the other point for?
0: The other point was for... Well, I mentioned the dance sequence.
1: Okay, yeah. Then we're good. Uh, do you have an effects score? Two? Yeah, I gave it two as well. Yeah. Like, it's still not too bloody. Like, we it's talked about that. It's not that bloody.
0: There's nothing really special about it. I mean, these movies aren't really... um, Like, you don't watch The Screams to be like, oh, man, did you see the super cool effects? Like, they're really yeah. small... They're Not bare bones, but
1: um, the the scream movies are definitely more about the who done it storyline. Uh huh. Um, like these movies the get their chops
0: from the storyline. Yeah, f- from the dialogue,
1: which is unusual for a slasher movie, but good. Yeah, but yeah, no boobs, no blood. That's kind of the way it goes. Nope. That's kind of how most of Wes Craven's movies are. Oh, I mean his slasher movies. I feel like Nightmare um, was
0: kind of more special effects heavy.
1: No, Nightmare was de- very special effects heavy, and it was gory and bloody, but not. In the same way that a slasher is, it was much more like cerebral and aesthetic than just like people being having their heads ripped off. I don't know,
0: man. The bed scene though. Okay, that is love That's love. gory no no, no, no. That is yeah, everything. I, it
1: is, but it's not gory in the like bodily, visceral way that a slasher usually is. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's an incredible thing. Uh-huh. But it's, it, they're not gore movies, they're effects movies. Never mind, uh, but there's definitely <laughs> no boobs in the Nightmare franchise either. He's he's a very chaste filmmaker, at least um, past his seventies output. Um, he did make porn movies, <laughs> but I guess uh, he was over it at that yeah. point. But yeah, um, what what's your overall quality score for this one? Three, three. Okay, it was I, just okay. I can live with that. I still give it a four because I do have an abiding love for the scream movies. That's understandable. Yeah, I I think this rewatch was one that I was getting kinda itchy by the end, or I was like, I've I've seen this one too many times, but that should in no way diminish the power of watching it on the first time, which Uh is fun. Um, did you have any other comments you wanted to make about it?
0: About the Scream 4? Yeah. Scream two? Scream two, just
1: general quality. Um,
0: Oh no. Uh
1: what was something that you liked about it?
0: Um something that I liked about it? Yeah. Uh a really pretty college campus.
1: It really did. We um, should go there.
0: We should. It's somewhere in Georgia, right?
1: New road trip. I think so. Somewhere in the south, I believe. I believe it's a women's college, but maybe my brain's just giving that to me for no reason. Uh huh. Um,
0: brains will do that to you. Yeah. Um, what did I like about this movie? Um, I liked how we got kind of uh, Cotton's redemption.
1: Yeah, Cotton Weary, played by Liev Schreiber, who's the man that Sydney Prescott uh, wrongly accused of her mother's murder
0: Uh, we got a little full story with that thing because i remember it was like one of the most tragic things that you know he was in jail for a crime he didn't commit Uh uh-huh um
1: but he's 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 doing good now he's got ray donovan
0: he's doing good i don't believe a single word that he said when he was like sydney i forgive and forget like so easy like at the drop of a hat i'm like No, you don't. No one would forgive and forget that. Uh You were put in a maximum security prison.
1: No, I mean, it's very clear that he just wants the exposure. Uh And like he wants to parlay this into some sort of career. Like that dude from the 1517 train to Paris, whatever, situation. Like the real-life hero who's playing the Clint Eastwood movie. Uh Uh, The hottest one of the three. He was on Dancing with the Stars before this. Uh Where he's like, I'm an American hero in France. Let's... Be a D list celebrity now. That's mm-hmm. what Con is trying to do.
0: Okay. Well, you can't blame him for trying to make a buck, you know? No, I can't. I just like something it it just something feels kind of gross about that. It's kinda gross about what?
1: Like turning a like heroic tragedy moment into like just dancing with the stars. I don't know. I shouldn't judge this guy. He's yeah. he's 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 He's, he's a hero, pains. you
0: can't really judge him.
1: Yeah, although I can judge Clint Eastwood for you can ignoring the contributions of there. Europeans to uh, that heroic moment. You can
0: definitely judge him for that, but you can't judge the way we receive. You know,
1: no, 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 no. And I, I in no way, I'm not trying to shame this hero guy. He did a great thing. Look, look, I, I just feel like Dancing with the Stars ruins everything. It's no, their fault. Right. They probably asked him, and yeah, and then why would you say no? Yeah. Okay, I'm not mad. He, he's also <laughs> very attractive, so uh-huh. good for him. Um.
0: Good save, my man. Good save.
1: Um yeah. I I will say my biggest problem with this movie is that um Randy misquotes aliens as a
0: <laughs> Well um no You have too much memory in your <laughs> brain that, that that you can like occupy it with aliens dialogue.
1: But it's the biggest line from aliens. And, well, because um, Timothy Oliphant, they're talking about um, sequels that are better than the originals in this film class. And they're talking about aliens. And he's like, get away from her. And Randy's like, I think it's stay away from her. This is a film class, right? Like, he's being really judgy. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, that's not the line. And it was well, just. a line? It's, it's get away from her. The kid yeah. was right. And they just, cause it, it was just a flubbed take. The kid accidentally said the wrong line and Randy accidentally switched it uh-huh. and they just kept it in the movie. And I'm like, did you not have the money to reshoot this scene? <laughs> you reshot half the other stuff <laughs> because the script got leaked. Uh-huh. I don't know. It, it was just so frustrating to me. I hate that, that that was left in the movie.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. um, That's
1: not a necessarily a mark against it, but as someone who's seen it a lot of times, that just really frustrates me every time.
0: Um, that's a fair thing to be frustrated about. I'm still kind of flabbergasted at the fact that uh uh that's in your brain somewhere. Yeah. Like it's not like I don't have movie quotes in there, but mine is like Jack, I'll never let go, you know? Or uh <laughs> I'll never let go, you know. See? <laughs> see, even I change the line <laughs> when it's so memorable. Like everybody knows, Jack, I'll never let go, Jack.
1: Yeah, whereupon she immediately lets go. So she did not keep her promise. It
0: was metaphorical. Yeah, she I, meant it inside.
1: I think when he said "Don't let go," he meant it pretty literally. <laughs> he he was <laughs> like,
0: "Please don't let me drown, Rose." Well, it's like, "Don't give me this burial at sea. Like, bury me. I don't know in bury America." Me in satin. Lay me down on a bed of rivers. Meet me at the roses. Listen, I don't have night. time for these freaking Hoobastank lyrics. Okay. No, it's
1: that. Uh, it's that. The band.
0: Who we'll was think Heart. <laughs> it's not Heart. I don't know. <laughs>
1: is that a band? Yeah. Well, Heart is a band. They do oh. uh, Barracuda and How Can I Get You Alone? So Scream 2 um, misquotes aliens, and that is a sin. Um, let's talk about Laurie Metcalf,
0: which is oh, the reason we yeah. watched this movie. God. I mean, she does play a small role, but she plays the killer. She's really good. Laurie Metcalf has an intensity about her that is evident both in this movie and in Lady Bird. Yeah, she's so good. Get ye to a theater and watch Lady Bird, a movie about our the first lady of the thirty-something president of the United States. Yeah,
1: Lady Bird uh, Johnson. Johnson, the most boring last name ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Laurie Metcalf she's great in the reveal sequence where she gets to go all bug eyed and act all crazy. Cause you're right. She does bring that intensity, but I do think like in her small role, she really does make a certain impression. Mm -hmm. Like I think there's her introductory sequence is so good because she um, makes this really swift transition. Cause she meets Courtney Cox, um, Gail Weathers, and she's very clearly like fangirling over her. Um, But her, her fawning interest in Gail Weathers very quickly, is undercut by this like kind of uh, snide business-like side of her where she's like, oh, Gail Weathers is so good. But then she would kind of just like starts sassing her immediately and asking her questions about the Woodsboro murders because it's it just like you can see how like mercenary this woman actually is and how she's trying to be a good reporter. I mean, she's technically just playing a role, I guess. Like the killer is pretending to be Debbie Salt, the mm-hmm. reporter. But she plays that role so well. Like, I just like how she can switch between that, like, acidic reality of herself and the, like, fake, like, bubbly overzealousness. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, it's, it's kind of disarming and then she hits you with the, like, real question. I don't know, she's mm-hmm. really, I, I think she's really good.
0: Um, I don't have that much of a take on her as you do. Um, I just thought she was really good. She was really focused. She delivers sure all the lines really well. Um, that's she, what we love our Lori for, delivering the lines of um, the comedic zest unique only to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she, like when I say she has an intensity about her, she has just like her facial expression really just kind of makes you focus in on her. It's yeah. Not unlike Frances McDormand, although it's still Lori Metcalf. <laughs> um, good, good observation. They're yeah. different women. Um, I don't know what else to say. Okay.
1: Well, I think it's about time to wrap up and for you to have have a nap nap. Um, right. But yeah, uh, I'll tell you what we're watching next week. But first, you can contact us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, uh, rate, so, review. Yeah, subscribe, write, and review. Give us five stars, and we'll get you a digital download code for the awesome hit film Cult of Chucky. Um, and our theme song is A Beat for You by Pseudo Echo. Um, and next week, do you want to know what we're watching? It's the last It's the last movie of the month.
0: Um, who is the ar- The artist?
1: Uh, we're doing Best Supporting Actor, and we're going to be discussing Richard Jenkins, who blew minds this year in The Shape of Water.
0: Oh, then I don't know what we're watching.
1: Yeah, no. Um, A couple years ago at this point, he was in Bone Tomahawk.
0: Oh. Which I know is, oh.
1: is a movie that our frequent listener Matt has been like, basically begging on hand and knee for us to watch.
0: Uh-huh. Matt, if you're driving, be sure you stop and pull over to tweet at us that we're watching this. Uh-huh.
1: I, I have told – he does know. I've told him okay, already. Okay, okay.
0: Well, I meant, like, stop and pull over. I don't mean, like, immediately. Like, I'm like, you know, for sure excitement. Just wait. <laughs> wait until you're safe. <laughs> good point. But, yeah, um, I think he takes the bus, so I think we're good. Okay, good. Sometimes. Oh, smart. Matt, I love how you're eco-friendly. <laughs>
1: Anyway, um, but yeah, so that we will be watching that. And I, I am excited, and also it'll be a David Arquette double feature because he's in that movie too. Uh-huh.
0: All right, then. Yeah, it's all the greats. <laughs> yes. David, um, Matt, and Richard Jenkins.
1: Sure, I do love Richard Jenkins, and I'm ready to see him in more things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, until next week, good luck on your journey. And tangled, everybody. Bye. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Dave. And we are the co-hosts of Cast Party. It's a freewheeling pop culture conversation. I am an online media mogul. And I'm not. I'm a drama teacher. Yes, you. in fact, my drama teacher. We kind of transplant the conversations that we have every time we hang out and do a podcast, and we hope you like it. Check it out. Enjoy at podpeople.me.
0: That was that was really fun and not awkward at all. <laughs> Bye.